Revelation chapter 11. It's been a while uh, since we had our Revelation study, so I think I'm picking up where I'm supposed to. If not, let's just go with it. It says, The seventh angel blew his trumpet. There were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came in the time for the dead to be judged and for the rewarding and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. And God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Now, what I want to focus in on tonight is this. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, we... uh, in our studies, we know that our timeline, which I'll do a consolidated timeline up here, from creation to the flood, from the flood to Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus. From Jesus, or the cross, We have the span of the church church age, which will culminate in the rapture of the church. The dead rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. You have the seven-year period of the tribulation. At the end of the seven-year period of the tribulation, Christ comes back to earth. We come back with him. For 1,000 years, Jesus rules and reigns. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Why does it say forever and ever when his kingdom here on earth will last for 1,000 years? Does his kingdom ever end, though? When When the thousand years in time come to an end, the kingdom never ends. Here's here's what I mean. Uh, Are you all familiar with the, uh, technically, the seven kingdoms of the Bible? The seven kingdoms that have have existed, uh, or that will exist in the Bible. You had Egypt, Assyria, then you have Babylon, you have Persia, you have Greece, then you have Rome, one, two, three, four, five, six. Then you have the Antichrist kingdom, the kingdom of the Antichrist. We we do a lot, a lot of our eschatological studies 
or studies of the end times focus on Babylon as being the first great, which they were the first great world empire. And then the kingdom of the Antichrist, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and the kingdom of the Antichrist. Have any of you all ever been a part of the Babylonian Empire? No, why? The Babylonian Empire gave way to the Persian Empire. They were conquered. (laughs) Dave's like, I went to school with Nebuchadnezzar. We was in IT school together. We went to, did telephone code calling. Now, while we know that Iran still exists today, the kingdom of Persia is no longer the world kingdom, right? Why? Because they were conquered by Greece. Greece still a world empire? They were conquered by Rome. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Has Rome ever ended? Technically, maybe you could say Rome ended, but sure about that? I mean, what do you think America is? But was it also, well, well, yeah, I see what you're saying, but who rules the world today? Who, who, who controls the world? I don't know if it would be wrong for me to reference Rammstein in a Sunday night Revelation Bible study, but their famous song, We All Live in America, Mickey Mouse. Think about it. So if you've ever been in one of our end times Bibles, which all of you all, I'm sure everybody in here has been. I'm a huge believer that the Roman Empire is still very much in existence. Think about it. You know, well, by them, them Americans, they kicked them British butts. We sent them packing. Get out of my land. But it was Roman it's never, it's just, it might have changed figureheads, but it's still the same, you know what I mean, same, same empire. The Roman Empire will one day give way to a new empire, kingdom of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will do what? He will bring together the nations of the world. Now, that doesn't mean that every single person is going to be on, or every single nation will be on board for that, but he will seize the power of, of this world. Um, and when he does, he'll do so. It'll, it'll, it'll be an amazing, beautiful undertaking. It'll be incredible. I'm, a, I'm also a huge proponent that the first three and a half years of the kingdom of the Antichrist will seem like the most glorious time on earth. Technologically, Philosophically, uh, ec- economically, uh, devologically, it'll be incredible. Like the epitome, an epoch. Not like up in town, but like the church. But I mean, 
It'd be like the epoch of civilization. But what happens three and a half years into that? Takes a nosedive. His true colors show. Now, there is one overarching leader of all of these empires. And who is that? Lucifer. Remember when Jesus says, <clears throat> I'm sorry, remember when Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? He's, been fast, he's fasting 40 days, 40 nights, the devil appears to him, and he makes him several offers. One of the offers is, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms of this world. Right? Correct. Lucifer could not make that offer, and Jesus never contradicts his statement. Jesus doesn't say, those aren't yours. But why would Jesus take these when he already has this? So when the kingdom of the world, that's why it doesn't say kingdoms. The kingdom of the world. Singular. But it is all-inclusive. All of these empires, all of these great nations that have ruled the world, all of them have one thing in common. The prince of the power of the air. Leading, guiding, directing them, influencing them. Why would Jesus take a kingdom that is sub... sub that is inferior to the kingdom that he'll have. All of these kingdoms have fallen, with the exception, of, like I said, of Rome, but they will fall, Rome will fall. The kingdom of the Antichrist will fall to what? To who? To Jesus. And what he does, he does not absorb these and make another kingdom like unto these. He makes a kingdom that is in the image of what his father says. Which is why the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Two separate, distinct kingdoms. The kingdom, one, of this world. The kingdom of this world, or of the world has become you ready for it? it has been not taken over it has been completely done away with Jesus does not come <clears throat> and make this kingdom better Jesus comes and establishes <clears throat> a whole new um, a whole new a whole new kingdom. Completely different. A completely different kingdom. The kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Did you catch that? The kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. <clears throat> what did Jesus say when he was here? I and the Father are one. Whatever I see my Father do, I do. Whatever I hear my Father say, I say. So king, the king, this kingdom is the kingdom of God and of his Christ. Like we were talking this morning, 
Jesus did not come to intimidate us, to belittle us, to berate us, to try to find a way to keep us out. He came to save us, to bring us in. <clears throat> this kingdom of Christ is different than the kingdom of this world. In the kingdoms of this world, how have they come, how have they maintained their power? Think about that. How do kingdoms maintain their power? Force. Through force. Now, don't misunderstand me. When Jesus comes and puts down the kingdom of this world and establishes his, his, establishes his kingdom. Try to say that five times fast. Establishes his. Establishes his. Establishes his. Establishes his. It will not be by unicorns and rainbows. It will be by force, but it is judgment that is pronounced on the wickedness of this world. When he does that, he establishes his kingdom, which is not a kingdom that is built on fear and intimidation and etc., etc. There will be no allowance for that which is wrong and, 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 and evil and cr criminal activity will not be uh, tolerated. <clears throat> but in his kingdom, there will be a kingdom of peace. And it'll last a thousand years. That, that is incredible. That a kingdom would last that long and thrive in it, when it lasts, but it'll be a kingdom of peace. It doesn't say that Christ will be replaced after 50 years. It doesn't say that every four years they'll vote on whether or not to keep him as king. This is his kingdom, and it'll what? Never end. Forever and ever. So at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, for 1,000 years he rules on the earth. But then what happens? Your marker runs out. That's what happens. Try this one. All things are made new. So that means that all of this, 7,000 years of recorded history, the way things have functioned and operated during this time are no more. All things are new. But the kingdom of Christ still exists. For eternity, we have peace. For eternity, we have security. For eternity, we have love, joy, happiness. For 1,000 years, we will experience... When we, when, when we leave this life and this body, or our bodies are made, you know, translated up into... Uh, the, and to, to, to heaven, the new body is given to us. You get where I'm going here. When that happens for us, eternity begins. Like we are eternally in that body. But technically, we will still be in time for 1,007 years. You wrap your head around this. For one, for seven years, we are in heaven with the Lord. 
marriage supper of the Lamb. For 1,000 years, we come back to earth and ruled with him, which, again, we are constrained by time. We are not constrained by time. It's, it's not that time has any hold over us. It's not that the mortal has any hold over the immortal. But we are here for a time with Christ in terms of earthly time. At the end of 1,000 years, Christ's kingdom does not end. It doesn't just go away. It isn't replaced by anything. And when we go into eternity, what we have experienced here on earth with Christ for 1,000 years just goes on throughout eternity. Therefore, his kingdom never ends. When uh, The book of Hebrews says that when Christ endured everything he endured, he did so, seeing what would come. What would be the result of that? What would be the result of his suffering? Us being able to come to faith in him and experience salvation. And it was what he would inherit. What he would get out of that would be worth it. And what would that be? Our eternity. So when time is no more and old things have passed away. That's what I mean by time is no more. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new, which means eternity is all there is. Is he not still in his kingdom? Now, the kingdom of Christ on the earth, 1,000 years. At the end of this, Lucifer's locked in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. At the end of 1,000 years, Lucifer's released, and there's an insurrection, a real one, that is formed, and they come and surround Jerusalem with the intent of making war with Jesus. And we hear fire comes down out of heaven, consumes the enemies. Then I, John, saw a great way from him. And him that sat there on. When Christ sets his judge of the dead, is he still not king? At the end of that judgment, all the tears are wiped away. And eternity begins. Is he not still king? But let me ask you something now. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be like philosophical here, but what is any different about who he is in eternity than what he was at the cross? Is his character any different? At the beginning of creation was his character. He had, already, he had already said, I'll come and die. The plan was already in place, and he was willing to do that before the first breath was ever drawn by any life on earth. Was he not king then? So when Lucifer offers him the kingdoms of this world, yeah, exactly. What is Jesus' response? That's like, that's like your kid... Okay, that's a terrible analogy because you would always take your kid's painting over top of a Picasso. But you know what I'm saying. It's like, y'all remember big wheels? You remember those, those little tri tricycles you ride on? Big, you had that little thing, you pull that, that brake, you go skidding sideways. And Dave's like, back in my day, we had brontosauruses, and we would grab their horn, and it would... 
would you still want to ride a tricycle today or would you much rather be on the back of an old hog? Not, not like an actual saddle. I'm talking about a, a motorcycle. When you were a kid, you were a little kid, you rode a bicycle. Now you drive a car. <laughs> if you were given a piece of stone and a chisel and a hammer, Or you could have an iPad. David still choose the chisel and hammer because it feels like home. You know, it's like it lasts longer. It lasts longer. Why would Jesus take this inferior kingdom, a temporary kingdom at that? How long will the kingdom of the kingdom of this world last? Six thousand years. For six thousand years, the kingdom of this world would last. That's it. How long will Jesus' kingdom last? For 1,000 years, then on into eternity. What, would, what is the greatest outcome that the kingdoms of this world could ever produce? Expensive eggs? War? Death? Blood? Bloodshed, I mean? What? What can they produce? Great civilizations. Great civilizations at what cost? Where, does the, where, does the, where do the diamonds come from that we cherish so greatly? Where does the gold come from? Who mines that? Our software, our, our, our devices, our hardware, our technology, the, car, the new electric cars, the batteries, where do they come from? They have to mine that. Who goes down and works in those mines? Ain't the President of the United States, I can tell you that. It sure isn't Congress. They're not going to go down there and do that. What's that? The oppressed will go. And it will be on their broken backs that those kingdoms will be built. So... Man, he beat me to it. He broke me to it. <laughs> He's like, let me tell you about Samaria. Let me tell you something about Samaria. Yeah, 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 he can tell us. Dave, Dave says, I've still got a workman's cop claim. <laughs> it's time to pay up. If I can never get my hands on Nimrod, I will get my money from him. And King, T yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Them pharaohs weren't no better, I can tell you. So, what, what blood was shed, what heavy lifting was done, what pain, what suffering has built the kingdom of Christ. His pain and his suffering. His blood built that kingdom. He did that for us, right? So now, we don't get to talk in these lofty terms a lot on, in Sunday school or on Sunday mornings because the context is different. Now, in the context of everything that we've just been discussing, now I want you to reflect on some of the stories of Jesus. 
particularly one we shared this morning. When Jesus looks at Peter and says, puts the apron on, let me wash your feet. And Peter says, <laughs> that's not how kingdoms work, Jesus. You're the king. We have people for that. What does Jesus say to Peter? If I don't, oh, I'm gonna, that almost made, that made me want to cry, pass out, and other things all at the same time. You know what I mean? Think about that. Let that sink in. If I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Think about that. They're arguing over who's the greatest. You know what that, relate, that correlates to, right? It's who has to do the least and who, who gets to tell people what to do the most. That's what they're arguing about. Well, which one of us is going to be the foreman? That's what they're saying. Who's going to be the foreman? Well, I guess Peter thinks it's going to be him. That's okay. I can subvert Peter because he's a foul-mouthed, hot-headed redneck. Right? Thomas says, well, no, it won't be me. And everyone's like, I would have probably be that kiss-up John. That's probably who it'll be. So just give it to him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and here they are, fighting and bickering. What does Jesus say? Let the greatest among you be servant to all. Now, I try not to get, like, too current eventsy or too political or, like, you know, making statements but i'm gonna do it do you think that the president of the united states do you think the governor of kentucky do you think they're going to be the ones that are going to go out when the cameras are off okay that, that wasn't fair because they're both democrats DeSantis will go out in his white boots remember those white boots he wore that time Looked like he was going to YMCA. All right, so now I picked on all, all the parties. Now what? What were you saying? Right, but, but, but they'll, and they'll say, well, they're too important to let them go and fight the battle. Do you think that they're going to go? Did, did the, oh, almost, almost said to the governor, I keep saying that. Oh, I just said it. Did the governor go to Ukraine? Pick up arms, man, go. Free them, set them free, liberate them. Trump's not over there either. Now, I, and this is a terrible cultural reference, and I'll probably get in trouble. I ain't going to get in trouble for it, I don't care. That's what the song Fortunate Son is written about, is it not? I ain't no fortunate son. I just, we just identified that the kingdom of this world is still the same. It's not the senator's son that goes to war. It's on the backs of who? The oppressed. Now, our YouTube video just got canceled. I lost all my sponsorships. Oh, no more vaccine company sponsorships for me after this. 
the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh. They're, they're going to have to issue a public statement tomorrow. We in no way endorse the comments of that crazy man down there. <laughs> but the kingdom of the world becomes the kingdom of our Christ. Jesus said, let the greatest among you be servant to all. Jesus didn't send Peter to go die on the cross. Jesus went there himself. If it's that important, why do the politicians not go and do it? Why do we even have an army when we've got how, 300, how many people are in Congress? Send them. Let them go fight the battles. No, 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 we're too important. We've got to stand here. Can you imagine some of these guys, big as they are, going to war? But they'll send your son and daughter. Just like that. And never think twice about it. The only time they think twice about it is if your son or daughter dies, they bring somebody else's son or daughter in. Now listen, I'm not trying to be ugly. But I'm also not wrong. What does Jesus do? Now, 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 for the record, there are people who will give their lives for Christ. But they lay down their lives for the testimony of Christ, not for doing His work. Refusing to give a, a false profession, being true to their faith, even if it means death. But their reward is what? Eternal life. The best the kingdoms of this world can do is, I don't even know if we can do statues anymore. Give you a plaque? To, you know, to your family? And, yeah, I'm not being insulting or, or, or I'm just, this is the kingdom of the world versus the kingdom of Christ. Okay, I've destroyed that enough. Let's move on. I want to, I want to key in now on, on. Does, it, does that make sense though? What, honestly, does that make sense? What what we're saying there? I want to move on to the next verse. It says that the twenty four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces faces and worshipped God, saying, "We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was." For you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Now listen to what it says. The nations raged, but your wrath came. And the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Now, don't get confused here. I want to I explain something. There's a timeline here. All right, you have taken your great power and begun to reign. That's the statement that's being made here by the 24 elders. And I'll explain who they are in a minute. You have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came. The nations raged is a reference to the great battle of Armageddon. The nations raged. What happens at Armageddon? The nations have gathered to fight one another. And we're talking like world annihilation type stuff. Like 
threat level midnight. Like we are there. And what happens? The nations raged. Un that, the, word, the, the, the term nations raged implies unrelented debauchery. Not just debauchery like sin. They're saying the F word all over the world. That's not what that means. The nations raged, meaning that they had become like animals. Like, you know how now, like today, <clears throat> I was at a few years back, I remember I was, I was over here, I was on the, I, just, I remember smells and food, to, I tie that to memories. <clears throat> I was grilling out on my flat grill, and I remember getting my phone, and I saw that um, the, uh, whoever the leader uh, there, the, the religious leader in Iran, had made basically a, a threat that he was going to attack, that we were going to go to war with the U.S. And I remember in that moment thinking, yeah, man, that's kind of, that'd be kind of scary if that happened. So you know what happened? Not a thing. You know why? Because that statement got checked or rebuffed by America's power. Right? And then, whew, they got tamped down. You hear all these threats of wars and rumors of wars, but they don't come to pass. Now, I want you to imagine that everything you're hearing is coming to pass. That it's just full on, this one's attacking this one, this one's attacking this one, this is attacking this one. It's just all unrelenting, no, not unrestrained. That's what I'm looking for, unrestrained. That's what that word, nations raged. Without checks and balances, without governor, or, or like a governor on a vehicle that controls the speed. It's unrelenting, un unchecked. But your wrath came. Yeah, yes, yeah, they raged. They, 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 that's exactly right. Imagine the thoughts and the heart and the you know intents of the heart of the wicked, just un unchecked. You know what I'm saying? Unrestrained. The nations raged, but your wrath came. This is the judgment I spoke of when Christ comes and puts down the enemies. And the time for the dead to be judged. Now, hold on. Slow, slow. This does not mean it happens at the exact same time. These are th the nations raged. How long do the nations rage? The last three and a half years of the kingdom of the Antichrist is insane. Like, absolutely insane what's going on throughout the world. Then... The last three and a half years come to a conclusion with Christ returning. Your wrath came. And he put an end to what was going on. Yeah, there will be, yeah, there, well, there, yeah, well, the Antichrist is already going after Israel throughout the uh, last three and a half years of... Um, uh, of the last three and a half years, yes, the Antichrist becomes like a wild animal. The Bible says he's like a beast. Well, it's called a beast. But he's like a wild animal. And he just turned, for three and a half years, he has peace with Israel. Then the last three and a half years, he is focused on destroying them. The reason that happens is because he is literally possessed with the spirit of the devil. Like he is completely turned into something not really human anymore. Which, you know, my opinion is the DNA, manipulation of human DNA. The letters is the letters don't put anything into the, to the book. Don't take anything away from the book. 
that with the changing of the human DNA and the, the uh, becoming of the, be uh, the, the beast, no longer a human, but the code rewritten, you're now a beast, something other than human, the Antichrist will be the first one among many. He'll be the first. He receives a deadly head wound, and at that time they do this experimental procedure. And Revelation 9 says the bottomless pit is open, and those demons that have the knowledge of how to manipulate human DNA teach men how to do this. Uh, we're already doing a good job of getting ahead of the curve. Trust me, if you read any kind of you know, uh, news articles about uh, genetic manipulation and, and human DNA and how they're able to cure death and overcome all of these uh, various uh, curses in the body that, that pr produce sickness and death, we're well on our way to this, but the bottomless pit has to be open. A key is given to Lucifer. He opens the bottomless pit. Then out comes the destroyer. The destroyer. What does he destroy? Abaddon, Apollyon. What does he destroy? He destroys the, human, the, the, the humanity of man. How does he do that? By changing the human DNA. The Antichrist is the first one that goes through this. When he is changed from man to beast, not like he becomes a, rawr, a tiger. I mean, like, he's no longer human. His DNA has been changed. There's a shift in him. Now, instead of this man of peace, he is what? Hellbent. Can I say that? I just did. On attacking Israel and destroying her and wiping her off the face of the earth. Sound familiar, right? There's a lot of nations today that want to do that. But the Antichrist makes it his quest to go after. Lucifer wants to destroy Israel. So, during that last three and a half years... Yes, there is an onslaught against Israel that does, yes, culminate in the nations of the world coming to Megiddo. Because remember, the Antichrist sets his kingdom up in Jerusalem, right? He sets himself up in Jerusalem as king of, of the world. Now, I'm paraphrasing here, but you get my gist, right? And it is in Megiddo that the armies of the world gather for absolute power. Where do they gather for absolute power? Israel. Why do we keep going back to Israel, Canaan, the land of Canaan, and specifically Jerusalem? And specifically, the threshing floor of the guy whose name starts with an A. I think it's Aaronoth. Why do we keep doing that? There's something special about that place. Now, when the nations gather... Yes, they're there to, to take Israel. But who returns while they're ready to make war? Jesus does. Why does he do that? Why does he return then? Whose city is that? That's, that's, that's Jesus' throne. <clears throat> and when the nations, when the time comes, the nations are raging, and he shows up. He makes his appearance. Does, does that make sense? Which, does that answer, or does that make sense what you say? Well, ask questions. You're talking about when the nations gather to take Israel and God defeats them? The, the, the people. The people, yes, the people. There are 144,000 Jews that are sealed that cannot be touched who are preaching the gospel during the tribulation period. But there are actual Jews, believers, that are, that are hunted and persecuted. These, these 
they are included in that group of martyrs during the tribulation. So yes, the people, not just the land. Does that make sense? Okay. The time for the judge to be dead is a completely separate, which is what I was trying to cover that earlier to get ahead of this. This is the time when the nations raged, the tribulation. The time of his wrath has come, right? And for 1,000 years, he puts down the kingdom, the kingdom of, the, of this world and establishes his kingdom. At the end of that is the great white throne where all of the dead from the beginning of time until the end of the millennial reign, the dead meaning those who have died outside of faith in Christ. Because if you are a believer from creation to the end of the thousand-year reign, when you die, your soul is immediately in the presence of God. Okay? You're in heaven. But the dead go to hell. And they are considered dead because they are not inheritors of eternal life. The dead that will be judged are all who have died in rebellion against the Lord or outside of faith in Christ since the beginning of time. They are all brought up to stand before the great white throne judgment. And I love to share this analogy because it makes so much sense. If you get arrested, do not raise your hand if you've ever been arrested. If you've been arrested and you go stand before, or you get arrested, where do you go? You go into jail. Now, they'll hold you until you post bail, or, or they'll keep you in jail, depending on your offense. If your offense is really bad, you stay in jail. Then you get a court date. You go stand before a judge. You have a trial. Once you have your trial in a court of law and you are found guilty, now where do you go? You go to prison. And you stay there until your sentence is up. When the dead die, they go to hell. They go to jail. Then there'll be a hearing. They'll have a court case, the great white throne, where they'll be judged. There is no penance there. There is no, no getting out of it. There is no present your case. What's that? Yeah. No, no second chances there. When they stand, if they, that, that has all been settled and done with during the lifetime. When they stand before the great white throne, it isn't a, an issue of whether or not they are guilty. They are. Now it is you stand before the judge, Christ. And then you have eternity in hell. There is no, it's the second death. The first death, obviously, is when a person dies. The second death is when they are eternally sentenced to hell forever. That's what's being referenced here. These are not simultaneous, like one second, one second, one second, these things transpire. These are, there are time breaks in between these things that are, are mentioned here. Does that make sense? It's the culmination of all things. It's it's from, from here to here, there have been a whole lot of folks that have, have died. 
and what will happen is they, they are held in, in hell from... Yes, it is a judgment to... It's a legal proceeding. What I mean is they will... Yeah, that, well, yeah, that's exactly where, that's you're you're dead on where I'm going. Yes, that was really cool that you say that. Yes, that one hundred percent spot on. That's exactly where I was going. From creation to Jesus, Jesus had not stepped foot on the earth. Doesn't mean well. I mean, he he had not come as the Son of God. Let me rephrase that. And they'll and, and think about this. Now, and I don't, I'm not trying to be like like dramatic or, or or sadistic here. Please don't, gosh, don't misunderstand this. It, it is it is with pain that I say what I'm about to say. When time is no more, the kingdom of Christ is. I'm sorry. The the, the one thousand year reign of Christ has come to a conclusion. And the great white throne makes its appearance. Or, or I'm sorry, we, we enter into the phase of the great white throne judgment. You're, you're right, Rex. Jesus will face them. This is not just an accusation that's been levied. And there is no... I Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Technically, they are able to... To present their argument, but what argument can they give to him? Here he is. I don't want to say in the flesh, but you, you, that is what. I, here he is in front, like face to face. Think of it like this: what they have known, all they have ever known was the earth that they lived on and the suffering they've endured in chains of everlasting darkness. Like, and again, I am not in any way trying to say that I can, that, that the pain that David went through in his guilt, remember when David went through, when he writes about his guilt, my bones are broken, there's darkness all around, I'm, I'm, that, that closing in, have you ever had a, have you ever had a moment of panic? Like we 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 codify those as panic attacks. Have you ever you ever experienced a moment of absolute panic where it feels like you can't get your breath? Everything just it's like extreme tunnel vision. You can't hard. I mean, you're in a dark or you're in a bright room, but everything's black. You're just you don't know if you're passing out or what's going on. You you are freaking out. That's that's what David is saying. I am I am in agony here. Now David's agony is eased, right? But at death and in hell it is a constant state of panic. Knowing there's nothing I can do about this. 
and I, again, I don't even like to, I, I, I don't mind to discuss it, but do you understand? I'm not, I don't like to. Some guys look. Torment, yes. It's that torment of knowing that there's nothing I can do. And again, I don't misunderstand me. I'm not one of these guys that's like, I don't like to talk about hell. I don't care to explain and teach it. But, man, look, some guys, they're sadistic. They love to just roll on and on about how hell is this, and it's going to be horrible. And this, this, they just keep, like, there's, there's different chambers to hell. and it, it, I've got a map of hell. I'm like, man, dude, it's darkness. It's blight. It's, it's, it's terror. It's panic. It's this constant state of, it's, it's beyond guilt. It's, it's worse than that. It's absolute torment. And you brought it on yourself. Like, think, let's be honest here. And this might be a great way, what time is it? be a great way to close out the study tonight. A great way to close it out. From the beginning of time until today, while we are on this earth, we have known times of sorrow, but we've also known times of We've known times of war. We've also known times of peace. No, I'm not quoting a Beatles song. The Beatles got that from Solomon. To everything there is a season. A time to plant. A time to reap. A time to cry. A time to rejoice. Right? A time to tear down. And a time to build up. In other words, you get a reprieve. Even the worst of the worst, those on death row, they get a last meal. What do you want before you die? You're going to face impending doom, but even in that, there's a reprieve. Right? There's a reprieve. Now imagine knowing that that door is closed. There is no reprieve. And the terror, the terror of facing him face to face, knowing there's nothing you can say or do. The window is closed. The opportunity to repent is over. The time for, for forgiveness or reason or excuse are gone. When they stand before him, I don't know what they see. What I mean by that is, at the end of the great white throne, John says, Then I saw all things are new. God shall wipe away every tear from their eye, and behold, all things are made new. I don't know that the dead even get a glimpse of eternity. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't even get to see the joy. I don't know. I, I'm not saying I, I don't know. I'm just saying that what would be worse, to never get a glimpse of it or to get a glimpse and know you wouldn't be able to have it? What would Honestly, what would be worse? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe there's somebody that's smarter than me can answer. Oh, oh, I died one time, and I seen the whole plan of God up in heaven. It was written down on a piece of cardboard in a black Sharpie. I don't know how I do that stuff, man. That's weird. I come up with stuff like that on the fly. But what I do know is that they will look into the face of Jesus. 
and I don't know what they see. I know he's a judge. But you know, man, I'm gonna I don't I don't want to say something I shouldn't hear, but there's a part of me that wonders if they see him as Jesus. The one who suffered and died for them, the one who gave his life for them. The one who do you know what I mean? Who loved them. And again, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna err on that side either. I'm just saying when they when they look at him, is it you know, I understand the whole eyes of flame of fire and the white the hair white as well. I get that. I totally get that. And I'm not talking against that. But I'm just saying, can you imagine to see the Messiah? And I don't know. I don't know if they gnashed their teeth against him at that time. You know what I mean? They bring him up like you see sometimes these criminals are brought before the judge and they're just cussing and railing and throwing. You know, they have to change. Yeah, yeah, yes. Have to put a face mask on them and, a, and chain their arms. because I don't know. I don't know how to be. I mean, these are, you know, these are souls, not just demons. You know what I'm saying? These are, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that there is finality here. There is no, you know, all right, you may or in. And one thing, I do want to share this real quick, uh, if you guys got just a second. Um, I'll, I'll put it over here on the corner. There are two resurrections. One is a resurrection of life. Second is a resurrection to death. Life means eternal life, right? Like we're in heaven with the Lord. Death means judgment. For those of us who are believers, there are two. I mean, there are, there are several uh, phases of the resurrection to life. One, remember I said earlier that the Antichrist would be the first one to receive the mark, the changing of the human DNA, the mark of the beast. He would be the firstborn among many brethren. Does that make, see what I'm saying? I mean, obviously I'm talking about Jesus as the firstborn. I know it's a reference to him. But the Antichrist mimics, Lucifer mimics everything that, that God does. That's like a counterfeit for it. Jesus is the first one to raise from the dead. Right? The first resurrected to life, to eternal life. Jesus does that. He, receive, he, he resurrects, has the new body, and then what happens? Remember, at his, at his death, what happens? There's a great earthquake, and the graves are opened. The graves of who? Everyone from here back. I believe that is worldwide, not just in Jerusalem. There may be believers who are in other parts of the world. Because the gospel of Christ goes all the way back to creation. That means that there are believers through all times. And there aren't millions of years. There's 6,000 years of human history. Period. The end. Fight me. 
So when he dies, the grave's open. When he resurrects, he gets up first. Then what happens? Those who were in the graves got up. Now, I know this is not the best terminology, maybe, but I always refer to them as Old Testament saints, which what that really means is before the, before the cross. Old Testament saints. Three. What's the next phase of the resurrection to life? Because these guys have their new bodies. That's, that's the full resurrection is the new body, right? Back, the, 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 the new body. The next wave is what? The church. The church will receive their new bodies. Right now, currently, there are people in heaven, these guys, who have their new bodies. They've been resurrected to life. New body. What about the church? What about, what about the folks since the cross? When they die, what happens to them? Their soul goes into the presence of the Lord. Goes in, they go to heaven. But they don't have their new bodies yet. Right? So church folks who have died before us, their souls are in heaven, but they don't have their new bodies yet. That's why Paul says that the dead in Christ shall rise first because their souls are already in heaven. They're ready to be reunited with their new bodies. Then we which are alive and remain here on the earth will be translated in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We'll receive our new bodies. So now you have another phase of the resurrection to life. So now we're into the tribulation. Are there people that died during the tribulation? Yes. A great number of people. A great number, Revelation says. Of the, I saw the souls of those who were beheaded for their testimony. And they said, how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? And they're told to wait until the seven years have ended. At the end of the seven-year period of the tribulation, what happens? The Bible says that these folks receive their new bodies. And what happens then? They go into the 1,000-year reign of Christ with us and the Old Testament saints. During the 1,000-year reign of Christ, there will be people who die. Where will their souls go? To heaven. The Bible says in Revelation 20 and 5, I believe, the rest of the dead lived not again. Rest of the dead lived not again. Resurrection to life. The rest of the dead, where were their souls? Of the dead, when they died here on earth, where did their souls go? Into heaven. At the end of the thousand-year reign, there's another resurrection to life. They receive their new bodies. Now, when this happens, the resurrection to life has ended. It's ended. If you follow Revelation's chronology in Revelation 20, you have the resurrection to life of the, of the folks from the millennial reign. The rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were ended. At the end of the 1,000 years, now we have the fullness of... The fullness of the resurrection of life, it has concluded. 
So what happens next? The second death. Or the resurrection to death. That sounds contradictory, the resurrection to death. But what does that mean? Those who have died, the way that it is interpreted, is that they will receive an eternal body. Right? But instead of going into eternity with the Lord, they spend eternity separated from Him in hell. When the Bible says that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, there's the implication that these will never be thought of again. We won't ever. It's over. So the resurrection, the second, the second resurrection is the resurrection of death, meaning the judgment. When they are, there has to be a finality to all of this because you can't have all things made new if you still have loose ends to tie up. So that when that is when that is concluded, new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem, all things made new, the great city, all that happens. But Jesus completes, doesn't leave one single solitary soul behind. Whether it is the resurrection of life or the resurrection of death, all things are completed. Every jot, every, every, every I dotted, every T crossed. The time for the dead to be judged. These, these three statements here. Nations raged, wrath came, time for the dead to be judged. This is the culmination of the kingdom of Christ. It's the beginning of it, nations raged, your wrath came. Time for the judge to be dead, the culmination of his kingdom. It covers a span of a thousand years, well, one thousand seven years. premise here is, or, or, or the point of what's being said here is that he completes and fulfills everything that he said he would do. And he alone is worthy to do what's done here. You don't hear at the great white throne, you don't hear of, and Braden Howard was given power to look him in the eye and say, get out of here. Jesus does it. He alone is worthy to do what to do what's what's done. Does that make any sense at all tonight? Any questions before we before we close out? <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm like, boy, that, why don't I just <laughs> loaded question? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's actually a great way to end a study when people are thinking and, and have, have questions. Um, we'll get back together in two weeks, right? We, this is the second. I mean, uh, no, no, wait, wait. this is the first. Yes, 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 yes. We, we will have the third Sunday, so we will have, yeah, yeah, we should be in good shape for a while up until we get to spring break. I don't know how that falls, but it doesn't matter. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But when we get back, 
uh, in two weeks, uh, we'll, we're, we're going to move on and discuss this topic of the nation's raged. And if you want some homework, <laughs> I'm taking notes and want some homework, look at Isaiah chapter 11. The whole chapter of Isaiah 11, uh, particularly, and I'll give you a little, little, little uh, heads up here, a little preview. The lion will lay down with the lamb during Christ's kingdom. The lion will lay down with the lamb. The nations raged, but your wrath came. The wrath of the Lord produced what? Peace. Peace for 1,000 years. The earth itself, Paul says, the earth groans, longing to be made right. Which gives you the, which, I mean, I don't think it gives you the impression, I think it tells you point blank that, not to sound morbid here, and I'm not, I'm not going to say anything stupid, I'm just, I just meant not to sound morbid, to end on a high note here, because we were at such a gloriously wondrous place here talking about hell. But that's, that's not, you know what I mean by that. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but have you ever watched these um, folks that go on these African safaris? Like I saw a video the other day of some folks. They're out and they're, look, there's the, the antelope galloping. There's the this and whatever, yada, yada. Um, I'll give you an even better example. The, the two tie together. Keep that whole African safari in mind. Taylor and I were one night watching, uh, I'm such a nerd, those YouTube live videos, you know, you can watch live cams. Well, they have one on this um, uh, oasis, uh, this little pond out in, in Africa. It was nighttime. And there was this, I think it was an antelope, actually, a deer, what an antelope, some kind of a deer, was drinking. And we're watching that deer, and we're thinking, man, sure is pretty out there, you know. And all of a sudden, here comes a leopard. Latches onto this deer's neck and just squeezes the ever-loving life out of it. Then drags it off into the darkness, you know, into a tree somewhere. Do you really think that's the way God wants the earth to look? Now tie that into what we talked about earlier when they send the sons and daughters off to fight into the mines to make the billions and trillions of dollars to keep this economy going. Do you really think that's what God wants? Break your backs, pay taxes, so the fat cats can get fattier and cattier? No. Not at all. What is the rule of this world? Survival of the fittest. Whoever is the strongest, the meanest, the toughest. Keep that in mind when you're raising your kids. Teach them. Teach them to defend the weak and to lift up those who are low and to knock the noses off a bully. I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm not. I meant to say punch them in the mouth. Teach them to defend those who can't defend themselves. And to, and to, and to do so with, with peace as much as possible. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't, don't let them grow up to be bullies and, 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 and think that they have to be the strongest and the toughest of the bunch by, 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 by beating others down and, and taking advantage of people. Is there anybody stronger than Jesus? And Pilate said, you seriously going to let me kill you? I can set you free. I have the power to save your life. And what's Jesus' response? Son, you can't take nothing from me unless I give it to you. Why would you give your life away? Why would you do that? Because of what he would get. Because of what it would produce. Teach your kids that. You know, share that with them and teach them that it's not about Teach them it's not about making the most money, although I want all your children to do well. I don't want them to suffer and struggle. That sometimes the ones who suffer and struggle are not the ones who have little, but the ones who have much. Right. 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 Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And, and I don't know. I just, I just don't think that the way things are are the way things Jesus wants them to be. You know, and as a pastor, I have to make sure that I keep liberalism and legalism out of the church because both prey on the weak, right? And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Love your brother, love your neighbor. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. Not when you see the weak drinking from the pond, pounce on them and devour them. And I know we see those analogies. Or we see those illustrations. But think about them literally. Have you not seen that happen in your world? You not seen that happen in your office? Right? You've seen it. Yes, yes, I'm going to devour you. I'm going to crush you. You really think that's the way Jesus wants it to be when he said, I'm going to wash your feet.